three, two, one. Um, okay, so podcast. tonight we're going to be um, doing a commentary and a discussion on uh, Dread, Judge Dread, and we're watching the most recent film version of Dread in 3D. Um, Thought we'd give the 3D a go. Yeah. As I, as I, as I splashed out a 3D TV and Blu-ray player just for this film alone, which makes me really sad. Really, so. was it? I, I literally bought when I heard um, Dread was coming out in 3D uh, this was probably like uh, you know a good year or so or maybe even two years before the film came out I, I thought to myself right well that's an excuse to you know upgrade to a mm. 3D telly because um, I'm that, that tragic <laughs> that's what I did um, just a um, little little sort of forward before we watch the movie um, tonight was going to be um, a discussion about the film Escape from New York, which has just been reissued um, in a 4K presentation at the cinema and also on uh, Ultra HD and Blu-ray, it's just come out as well. Um, but the reason why uh, we've changed the film tonight is basically there's been there was an announcement today, so it's hot off the press, um, that Rebellion, the owners of the 2000 AD comic book, which obviously spawned Judge Dredd, the character. Um, they basically uh, invested a hundred million dollars into a to, into opening a film studio uh, in Oxfordshire uh, with the intention of filming the forthcoming Judge Dredd TV show and also the movie Rogue Trooper, which is set to be directed by Duncan Jones of Moon fame, which we spoke about few months ago which well. we did which yeah. we did didn't we yeah and also i guess it kind of ties in, in in some ways with escape from new york because it's a dystopian sci-fi movie i think there's a bit of john carpenter-esque influence on this film um mainly with the, the look of the film and the the sort of uh, electronic soundtrack mm. which is to me is you know not all of it but some of it is a bit carpenter-esque right. john carpenter-esque so I, and um so i think you know I think this was a John Carpenter movies were an influence on uh, Alex Garland where, when he um, when he wrote this film and by all accounts he directed it as well. Although the directing credit was given to Pete Travis, but by all accounts he actually directed the film himself, right. Alex Garland. Um, so I think it, I think the films of John Carpenter was definitely an influence on him when he when he was creating this. Mm. It's uh, it's quite a sort of sparse, uh, almost exploitation. Type movie. So anyway, we're going to get into it, and um, yeah, we'll be watching this in 3D. If I can find my 3D glasses, I can't. Remember, where have I put them? Oh, they're here. Right. Okay. Hmm. It doesn't look quite so good when you haven't got your 3D glasses no. on. Okay, 3D glasses on, and we're going to begin the film. So, how many times do you think you've seen this film? Oh, wow. Um, well, this is, again, quite tragic, but I, I saw it ten times at the cinema. Ten times? I think I'm perhaps single-handedly <laughs> uh, responsible for increasing the box office of this movie. I've, I've got one of those unlimited Cineworld cards, so that's mm. my excuse. Although I did watch it in Odin in London. Um, oh, right. Uh, 
once I think I went up to London because I think I was in London I just happened to be in London so I, it was on in um, the cinema there so I thought I'd go and see it. I think it was the Odeon mm. um, <clears throat> but obviously you, we've got a bit of history with Dread haven't we because um, when the Stallone film came out in the mm. 90s I dragged you along to that several times you did yeah, you, yeah, you yeah we saw it in some odd places one was in Whitstable above some restaurant I think like a sort of pop up cinema yeah, yeah. thing wasn't it and also I uh, and London again wasn't it mm. Leicester Square was that when it was a Warner's I think so yeah, yeah. it used to be a Warner's cinema in fact yeah. is it a view now it's a view isn't it yeah yeah mm. yeah I, I, even though I, I feel quite affectionate towards that film for some reason I don't know why I do, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, the I mean, Stallone one. is pretty awful, but I don't know, there's something about it that I don't mind. I, quite, you know, I, I think it. it's very much of that era, wasn't it? Because um, um, you've got, you got to put it in context, it was before all the, you know, it was really before all the comic book movies yeah. that we get today. I think you had, the, you had The Crow, didn't you? Yeah. I think The Crow just predated it. Mm. Um, but generally, there, you know, you, you had sort of some of the cheap knockoff Spider-Man movies from the 70s that came out that looked really cheap and they were basically glorified um, TV movies, weren't they, really, on a, on a sort of TV budget. Yeah. But um, The Crow and Dread were two of the earliest kind of big budget comic book movies, weren't they? Mm. Um, obviously now comic book films are two a penny, aren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, with all the Marvel and DC stuff. Master. Mm. I remember when this film was in production, and um, they leaked some of the uh, someone leaked a photograph of the motorbike, and it got a quite a lot of it got, a, got a lot of negative, oh, right. negative press because it didn't really look anything like the comic book um, Law Master. Uh, I think it works for this movie. It's, uh, unlike the Stallone one, it actually looks like a bike that could uh, yeah. do some damage. Not like a slow one that trundled along like a lawnmower. Yeah. So we're introduced to Dread in this uh, play in this film by Carl Urban. He of Lord of the Rings and Star Trek fame. And born not the born identity, one of them, born supremacy. Oh, okay. The second one I think is oh, in that. Doesn't he hasn't got a lot of dialogue dialogue in that, he's basically a hitman in that. Yeah. He's in it. I mean, I'm not that familiar with his films, so apart from this, really, I don't think. I sort of educated myself because I wanted to see, you know, being a big fan of comic, I wanted to see whether he could pull it off. Yeah. So I watched a lot of his films that he, he was in, and he's in a very good, because um, he's from New Zealand. Oh, he's New Zealand, not Australian? Yeah, he's from New Zealand. There's a really good film called Out of the Blue um, that he was in which was a true-life crime right. film about um, a serial killer in New Zealand who basically shot a load of people and he plays with the cops in it. And um, I thought he was really good in that and he showed that he could do calm and steel yeah. and intense. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, that's the kind of attitude that would be good for Dread. Yeah. So I thought, after watching a few of his films, I thought, yeah, he can probably nail this character. The 
that's obviously what they saw when they passed them. Yeah. That's it. about this film and I know you know it's not completely comic book authentic because um, you know Mega City One doesn't look quite as futuristic as, as it does in the comic in this film mm. but I think what they got right about this was the kind of um, the grittiness of, of yeah. Dread um, and also the character which is to me was more important to get the character right rather than you know for me the look which you know you could argue that the, the 90s film had the look, yeah, but it didn't really, uh, it didn't really have the uh, the character of Dread done right for me, right. Which I always saw as a futuristic Dirty Harry, which yes. uh, which kind of Carl Evan plays him as, even with a slightly Clint Eastwood esque accent, yeah, you know, voice. I think the other thing I like about the look of this film is it it doesn't really look like the problem with dystopian futures is that they've all kind of been done to death. Mm. So the tendency is for any dystopian movie that's set you know in the future to make it look a bit like Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, because that kind of you know that kind of perfected the look of future mm. architecture in movies. Yeah. And so you see like so many films that are clearly influenced by um, by Blade Runner. Um, you know, like um, the Total Recall remake. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't. It's pretty terrible. But again, the, the future scape just looks like, you know, it looks like Blade Runner, and a bit like the '90s film that looked a bit like Blade Runner as well, really. Mm. Um, and other films like I'm trying to think of dystopian movies now, but um, this to me this looks more like Robocop, which is ironic in itself mm. because Robocop was, you know, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, what I liked about this film is it reminded me very much of um, like a seventies. If, if if you if this film had been made in the seventies, mm. obviously the effects are a lot more advanced these days. But it, for me, it has the look of a film that could have been made in the nineteen seventies. Right. Um, that sort of grainy, gritty look to it, mm. and I like that because it, it, it it's more a throwback to the to the classic seventies films, sci-fi yeah. films. Stuff like um, you know Mega Man and mm. you know things like that and um, Silent Green stuff like that. That's yeah, the kind they, of vibe I get from this. All those sort of films, they they did it best, really, didn't they? Really. Yeah, I, I just think the cynicism. There's a cynicism mm. in this that most modern sci-fi films, because they're all looking at box office and getting as many bums on seats as possible. Yeah, they try and just soften the edges and I think that's what the 90s film did with, with Dread it, the Judge Dread 90s film it didn't really want to make Dread an anti-hero it wanted to really make him more of a hero mm. which sometimes he is but more than that he's also an anti-hero you know he's the man with, that, almost the mm. man with no name although of course he's got a name but he wears the visor so you never see his face but I think and they blew that with the Stallone film because you saw his face within 15 yeah. minutes 
but going back to what you were saying about like the cynicism in the 70s well that was sort of a reaction to like the 60s yeah the hippie sort of yeah, yeah. and like in the 70s that was all blown to shit wasn't it shit, yeah. you know that free love and like you know it was all gone wasn't yeah, it yeah. like the party was over so in the 70s everyone was like trying to get over like exactly yeah. the dream was over sort of That's thing it. and, that, and, the, and the, the movies the, were, re, were responding yeah. to that weren't they and like you say like in the 90s we lived in a very different world then didn't Definitely. we like the it 90s was, yuppie, was, yuppie, yeah, it was all about me 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 wasn't yeah. it and like so possibly that is why the 90s film was a reaction of that yeah yeah it was big it was grandiose it was slick and you know a lot of money thrown at it yeah but it kind of lost the essence of the character i mean a lot of this from um, this is another thing i remember when i first saw this at the cinema it reminded me a little bit some of it the exteriors of like something like the french connection right that opening scene with the with the lawmaster mm. it kind of reminded me a little bit of you know the the chase scene yeah. when Gene Hackman's driving through. Yeah, uh, is it New York he's in or Chicago? Where I don't can't, yeah. can't think where it's set now. I think um, it's New York, isn't it's it? It's New York, isn't it? Not, and so. just the the colour palette in this, you know, it's the saturated, the greens, and the that sort of the look mm. to it. It just reminds me of those seventies classic seventies movies. And there's bits of you know quite a lot of Peck and Par esque bloodshed in yeah. this as well. That's another thing I like. It's, it didn't try and pander to a um, a PG uh, stroke 12 A certificate this is a you know a full bodied mm. 18 certificate movie mm. which is probably why it didn't do so well at the cinema because it was you know the rating was quite restrictive mm. yeah it sort of limits your audience when you've got an 18 isn't it really? I do think they could have I, you know I, I, I think the violence in, the, in this film is handled really well but I actually think they could have gone a little bit more oh right you know, with it, mm. I think it could have been a little bit more kind of exploitational, you know, mm. perhaps a bit more bloody and gory. Mm. Um, that's just my personal taste or whatever. But, <coughs> but I guess, I, I mean, you know quite a few 2000 AD uh, fans, don't you? Yeah. So, like, I bet they've all, have they all got different opinions on what they think should be like or do they all like this I film everyone's got an i think there's a, like, there's a consensus yeah. that it was uh, for the budget because it was a, it's a low budget film i think it uh, reportedly cost to make um just below 30 million right. whereas the stallone version cost 90 million and that's really in, yeah that's back in 1995 so right. that's that's probably like a 200 odd million God. dollar movie Jeez. today um and what's that but i think i, mean, I think the opinion is a lot of people get very hung up on how Mega City One looks, and they don't think it looks futuristic enough in this. They want the flying cars and the flying taxis, mm. and, and this is very much more grounded. And you know, there's no flying cars, there's no sky surfers, there's mm. no, there's, there's not really muties or there's a, well, there's reference to mutations, and obviously An Judd Anderson this has a, she's like a, a telepath. He's got you know, telepathic powers, which he does have in the comic. But it's kind of it's more understated. Mm. Um, that was probably down to also the budget, maybe you know, restricted by um, the amount of CGI they could have in it. Mm. Um, but I think you know, I think there is a strong opinion that they, at least they got the character right. And I think, like I said earlier, that to me that's more important than whether there's, whether there's flying cars in it. Or yeah. You know. 
two-headed mutants. Yeah. Lena Headey appearing in her, famous for Game of Thrones, which I've only still only ever seen. I think yeah, an episode or two of. I've only watched the first. Yeah, um, not even a complete one. So um, oh, well, you're as completely out of the loop as I am. Yeah, then. yeah. I'm going like the only one. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, quite. Yeah. She didn't have to cover up her tattoos in this, apparently. Okay. She was happy about. So here's the first sort of gory death sequence, and I think in 3D this looks really uh, impressive. This bit because you get the scale of the uh, of the drop. Of the peach trees block, um, you really get that perspective, and I think that's um, what I like about this film. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of 3D, mm. but I think it's used really cre creatively in this film. It's not like that thing is coming towards you at the screen, like yeah. you know, bullets or whatever. It's 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 to give you a sense of scale and perspective. Mm. I really like what um, Anthony Dodge Mandel is the director of photography in this, and apparently they created an um, a, a special camera, particularly, you know, specifically for this film. Oh, wow. So, you know, that, that humming sort of electronic score, you can feel it. It reminds me of, mm. it's got that sort of Carpenter-esque yeah. Escape from New York vibe about it. And I like how they, I mean, another thing that, you know, caused um, some disagreement in the fandom circles was the costume in this, because it is more of a practical, miniaturised type of adaptation of the comic costume, I mean, you've read the, you've yeah. read the comic, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. I mean, that, it's far more ostentatious, you know, the yeah, eagle, yeah. Yeah. shoulder pads, they're almost yeah. like, you know, dynasty. Yeah. You know, over the top, yeah. Over the top, which works for the comic. Yeah. But I'm not sure in... Well, they're two different mediums, aren't they? You know, and I think like a lot of people confuse... It's like when a book is turned into a film, you know, and people are disappointed that it's not like the book. Yeah, yeah. But a book and a film are very different, same as a comic and a film. Exactly. And I think if you did... If you literally... I mean, I'd be interested to see how they adapt the... Um, costume for the TV show that's coming out, will mm. they go more towards the comic look, yeah, yeah. or will they do like um, a sort of combination of this film and you mm. know, perhaps make it slightly more comic book looking, but mm. will they you know, use the basis of this? Because I think the thing with this is it looks like a practical costume, I mean there's the eagle on the shoulder, but it's not like a massive big no, jutting no, out, because yeah. like a lot of people have said, how would you get through doors? Yeah. You know, if you're in a tight spot and people are that's right, shooting yeah. at you, you know, you could get stuck in a doorway or, yeah. or a lift, couldn't you? Because yeah. of your big bloody shoulder pads. It's that not, yeah, it's going to... It's not practical, is it? No. And I think if they used that for this film, because it's a very grounded, gritty film, it would have looked a bit silly. Mm. It perhaps works for the 90s film more because... Well, it would have looked comic book, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would have looked... Like more camp. Yeah. A bit more camp. A bit it? more sort of uh, Flash Gordon. Exactly, exactly. Which I think uh, a lot of... I love Flash film, Gordon. I love Flash Gordon. A lot of the 90s film, actually... It's got Max von Sydow in it, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Ming in, in yeah. um, Flash Gordon. So, you know, there's, mm. there's a little bit of a crossover there. Mm. And the guy, and one of the executive producers, I'm sure, uh, in the Nights film, he also worked on Flash Gordon. Right. So there is some yeah. crossover mm. there. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, 
it works perhaps for the nineties film because it's it's more camp and mm. over the top, whereas this is basically a gritty, uh, really like a cop drama, mm. really, but just happens to be set in the future. And it's more yeah. like, it's a bit like The Wire. Yeah. Um, uh, although I'm saying that, and it's a show I've not really watched either. But I've seen The Wire. Have you seen yeah. The Wire? Yeah. Okay, but you, yeah. you can tell me if I'm if I'm out of line. Uh, in fact, even one of the actors in this is in The Wire. Okay. So maybe that's why I'm drawing a comparison. Uh, Olivia Thelby there as Judge Anderson, I thought was really good in this. I'm hoping she makes it back to the TV show, as I do Carl Urban. Mm. Um, obviously yet to be confirmed with maybe re reprising their roles. So another thing that I'm just remembering is from the Stallone film that caused a lot of controversy was when he took his helmet off. Well, to me, that's the major problem with that film is that, obviously, you know, they paid Stallone $15 million to be in a film. Yeah, and he's, he's not going to keep a lid on his... No. And he's a star. Yeah. You know, he's not going to keep his lid on, is he, for, no. for a film? But I think it's 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 just done so quickly. Mm. Um, you know, 20 minutes in, the helmet's off, and basically, practically, the rest of the film is him without it on. Yeah. So it becomes... a uh, It's more like a Demolition Man sequel yes, than a yeah. Judge Dredd movie. Yeah, it is very... Well, what I was going to say, like, there is like a real similarity, isn't there? Um, with oh, yeah, well, Demolition, Demolition Man. Man first, or Demolition Man was ni '93, I believe, and I remember going to see that. Did, yeah. did we see yeah, it together? Yeah, yeah we saw it together. Probably, probably, probably. Yeah, yeah, and I remember thinking that is kind of a bit like Dread because yeah. they had an Undercity, yeah, which had um, Dennis Leary, wasn't it? Yes. And there was like you know, sort of they weren't mutants, but they were like sort of like. Um, scavenger type people weren't they yeah. rags underground yeah. and you know the sort of um, the satire of being fine for swearing and stuff like that the, the very uh, draconian laws yeah. that um, Stallone was enforcing in that um, it did remind me very much of Dread yeah in fact it was probably Demolition Man was probably more like a Dread film than the Judge Dread film for right. it was really I wonder if that's why Stallone got the Dread film. I'm sure. I'm sure we took, it, to do took it. it on because it, it was quite similar to, in tone to Demolition mm. Man, and uh, apparently Schwarzenegger initially was uh, courted for the role. Oh, right. He turned it down, so Stallone took it on. Yeah. I can't imagine Schwarzenegger doing a bad no. job. To be fair, but. All this sort of kind of what you might call sort of uh, retro, well, all that the sort of computer graphics there, they look mm. very old mm. hat, don't they? They mm. look very kind of retro, old fashioned retro. I can't think of the correct word, but that again reminds you a bit of Escape from New York, sort mm. of computer graphics yeah. that are used. He's the guy from the wire. Oh, okay. This is the drug, the narcotic that's in the film called Slow Mo. Um, slows everything down. And obviously, the 3D sort of comes into play mm. during these scenes. It also reminds me a little bit of, I don't remember, Robocop 2. Right. Um, there's a drug called Nuke. Oh, yeah. Remember Nuke? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's kind of. It's almost a bit um, meta in the way that I think this film does 
It's like Robocop stole Judge Dredd's thunder back in the 80s. Mm. So in some ways, this was trying to steal its thunder back. So there's even a few uh, sort of plot and um, plot beats that borrow from Robocop. It's almost like they're reclaiming it. Right. There's a, there's a line a bit later on where Dredd's saying you have 20 seconds to comply, which reminds you of right. Ed, Ed 209 in, yeah. in uh, the Robocop movie. Mm. So it's kind of like them reclaiming dialogue. Because obviously Robocop did stuff like Dead or Alive, You're Coming With Me and, mm. you know, although obviously that was obviously also borrowed, like Creep was, was used yeah. in the comic, but, you know, I think I think uh, Clint Eastwood used that in Dirty Harry to be mm. fair, but... Well, it just goes to show that... Yeah. I think Come With Me, Come With Me or There'll Be Trouble is a dread line that Robocop right. lifted in the first film. Yeah, so by the time they released the first Judge Dredd film, a lot of people were probably saying... It's a Robocop ripoff. We've already seen this. Yeah, but I mean, that is a problem. That, you know, to, to American original. audiences particularly, you know, to them, Robocop... I mean, so few people read the Judge Dredd comic in America. Right. To them, when Judge Dredd finally came out in the 90s, it did seem like a... Well, this is like Robocop, isn't it? But like mm. an inferior version, not knowing that Dread obviously came first as an entity. So has it got like a cult following, do you think, in America? This movie? Oh, well, no, I mean, like, oh, 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 yeah, 2018. I, mean, I think it's recognised in hardcore comic book. But it's a small circle. Yeah, it's a small circle. Oh, yeah, that's quite good, isn't that's it? Nice. Yeah, nice blood. Now, I remember seeing that at the cinema. What was so good is it is which I'm a bit disappointed with the Blu-ray release, is that, that that blood splatter came over the actual widescreen border. Oh, right, right. So it came out of the border and for some reason they didn't keep that for the Blu-ray release, I don't know why. It was almost like it was coming out of the screen at you. Mm. Requesting new ladders of Peach Street level thirty-nine. We have four bodies for resight. And eight live paint acid cubes. Copy that. Meet wagon inbound. All right, let's get in the car. Move. Oh, Daniel Gleason's in this as well. I don't know if you. Oh right. Is that uh, uh, Brendan Gleason's son? Yeah, yeah. Who's obviously done a lot since mm. this, but he's in these he's general hucks in the Star Wars movies. He was in. Uh, What's that? That was an Alex Garland. Yes, that was um, the, the the organ harvesting. Yeah, the robot. Uh, the oh, ex, ex machina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, is he? Is he? Oh no, is he not in? No, perhaps that's Andrew Garfield in the. Uh, Alex Garland did an adaptation of a book about organ harvesting. Oh right. But I don't think Donald Gleeson might be in that actually as well. I'm, I only saw that once at the cinema. But yeah, of course, ex machina. Yeah. Who are who? Rather embarrassingly, I bumped like you do. I bumped into Alex Garland at a, right. a screening of the 2000 AD documentary that was released, mm. and they were having a show in London. And I bumped into him. I actually bumped into him when he was previewing this film at um, London Comic Con 2012, oh, right. uh, was it? But um, and I embarrassingly called it Ex Machina, right? Which he didn't correct me, so he probably felt sorry for me. Oh. I'm rather embarrassed because every, every everyone called it Ex Machina, right? And I and I was like, oh, good luck with Ex Machina. <laughs> so I probably seem like a complete <laughs> pleb, but 
he was nice enough not to say, it's Machina, you idiot. Yeah. But yeah, it's Machina. There he is, Donald Gleeson with his um, oh, right. with his blue contact oh. lenses. This this bit of the music reminds me very much of Carpenter. Mm. Sort of percussive. Mm. And a bit of that guitar which Carpenter also used in, in especially his later scores. Yeah. So I think you could probably watch this film back to back with Escape from New York. It's kind of it would make a good double bill. Right. Brutality coming up. I think it's amazing what they what they actually managed to do on such a low budget. Mm. I mean, I mean, twenty you know, under thirty million. That's like a rom com budget. Yeah. And you know, in this, there's sets and CG mm. and you know the costumes element. I think this, this was quite um, quite ahead of the game as well in um, sort of utilising female characters. Mm. Now the villains of a woman. Now it's now it's quite um, a commonplace. Mm. Um, you know, but I think uh, this was kind of ahead of the curve, really. Right. There's there's a thing called the I think it's called the Beshendel or Beshendel test where basically it, to tell whether a film is not totally male centric, mm. it's it's a film whether if there's no love interest, um, the females characters aren't sort of um, completely reliant on the males, right. then it passes the Beshendel test. Oh right. Um, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but this film apparently does in spades because, you know, Judge Anderson in this is, to be fair, the film's really more about her, about about Rookie Anderson mm. earning her spurs than it is about Dredman. He's kind of a, he's a bit of a secondary character, yeah. really, as he is in the comic, really. Homeless person. I mean, another thing that this film was criticised for was a lack of satire that um, mm. perhaps the comics more overt and satirical. But I think it's understated in this, but there is still that, that sort of undercurrent of you know looking at society under a microscope and yeah. satirising it. It's just not overt. Yeah. Um, again, it'd be interesting to see the TV show where they make that more of a thing. Mm. Bud. 
spit around this now. What did you make of the Star Wars films? I know we're getting off the subject of that. The, um, the, yeah, the new ones. Well, personally... Have you seen them both? Have you seen them both, the, the new mm, Force Awakens and... No, I haven't. No, cause see, I'm not really a fan, really. Um, I can take or leave. Because really. we saw The Last Jedi together, didn't we? Yeah. So we didn't see, you didn't see The Force Awakens? I don't think I did. Your no. kids didn't? They weren't no, my, no, my son's not interested in it. Um, and, yeah, I'm not that bothered, really, if they never make another one again. Yeah. I think now that Disney's bought it, even more so, really. I think that, that is a problem, isn't it? Because they, they're going to end. They're going to end up owning like all the properties. I mean, they've just, they've bought Fox, haven't they, as well? Yeah. So they now own like all the Fox slate of like the Predator yeah. and Alien. Yeah. And all so those they're going to put, put their mark over everything, aren't they? I think there's a danger that the stuff will just like it'd be homogenised into just exactly, one yeah. big amorphous blob of yeah. of formula. I mean, I don't want to say that. Disney are evil, but I think they probably fucking are. What's that cultural imperialism yeah. that our media studies teaching yeah. is so fond of saying? I mean, you know. Control, we've had the situation developing. Six, 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 six foot mouse. Six foot mouse. Yeah. Walking around. You know. I mean, they make some good creative decisions, but I think the, the danger is that. If everything's just, they'll be quite insular, mm. and and things will. They seem quite conservative. Yeah. With, with their, you know, with their views on entertainment. So the the danger for me is that there won't be so many risks taken with stuff. Well, they're about making money, aren't mm -hmm. they? Mm. That exactly. is, you know. Exactly. They are quite cynical, I think. It, uh, you, yes, completely. They know what sales is best what entertainment is what the 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 core general public think is good well they think they do and they sell it sell it to them so that's what they're doing they're selling they're selling the people what they think they want but i don't think i don't know i was going to say i don't think people with a brain want that sort of thing but that's not fair um, so I think it's, it's like comfort viewing isn't it yeah I think the problem is or the danger is that like you say if, if things are just like formulaic um, it, audience will, will just audience will just expect the same yeah and um, yeah it's called dumbing down isn't it basically yeah. and they just want to make things that are that are suitable for the whole family mm. That's that's what I think Disney is. Yeah, it's like yeah. entertainment for the whole for family. The masses. Whereas like entertainment shouldn't just be for the whole family. There is adult entertainment, isn't there? Yeah. Where it's it's more challenging, you know, and you don't want your kids to watch with you. Well, yeah. If everything was just child friendly, and, and what what an awful sort of then you probably get more be. fucking people going out and shooting these, you know, getting semi-automatic weapons and killing people while watching a Disney film in a 
in the theatre yeah, or cinema. Because they, yeah. But from a c creative standpoint, I think it just stifles, it, you know, creativity because mm. you, you, you've got. To, I mean, the danger is you've got to second guess. Well, can I put this scene in a film because it might alienate a certain, you know, yeah, demographic. Yeah, exactly. You can't please everyone, can no, you? Exactly. Yeah. You can please some of the people some of the time, but I don't know if I've said that right, but not all of the people all the time are going to... Sometimes, like, I think films that are ambitious failures, I, I like more than something that's just yeah. been, you know, I feel like I'm being talked down to or patronised. At least they've, at least they've got the balls to try. Yeah. Yeah, even if they do fail. Yeah. Yeah, I, li I like films that are slightly flawed. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I do. I think that's why I like this film. I mean, bring it back to this. I mean, Dread's not a perfect film. No. By any stretch. It wants perfect. Life isn't perfect, exactly. is it? But I think it's it it takes it took some risks. Yeah. And I and that's why I appreciate that it exists because to me it was a breath of fresh air in 2012 when you had the big beam off of. Um, Batman is the last one. What was the last one called? Batman? No, the other one. Was it Batman Returns? Yeah, Batman Begins. Mm. What was the one after that? The Christian Bale ones. Again, I, you know, I'm pretty. Anyway, the up. last film was a mess, and it, this this ba this got basically completely, you know, uh, swamped by the the massive phenomenon that was that was Batman mm. because it, they both came out in 2012, and that was still that had been out on this. This came out, I believe, in in uh, August or September over here in the UK and Batman had come out in the summer like June but it was still playing right it was still playing when this was on huh. and probably more people were still going to see Batman than they were this mm. but you know to me the last Batman film was an utter mess mm. um, was that the one with Tom Hardy no yes yeah Bane it was literally like unintelligible yeah I'm, I'm surprised it didn't have sort of subtitles mm. to so no, it was what bad. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it yeah. was really long as well. Yeah, I saw that at cinema. And you could just you saw that cinema. Yeah, and I could just tell that. Um, well, to me, Christopher Nolan was just bored by that point. Mm. He was like, I've, oh, "I've been shit, man. I've been contracted to do three of these things." Yeah, it's just so Bane. It just seemed by the numbers. People. It just seemed by the numbers. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was it was very episodic. Mm. Didn't seem to really make a lot of sense. Oh, oh just. When's this end? That's exactly how I felt about mm. the whole thing. Yeah. No, and you know, definitely not a masterpiece. No. And so this was a breath of fresh air. You know, it was like gritty, violent, anti-hero. I mean, Batman's. They say Batman's a bit of an anti-hero, but this is the real. He's a real fucking anti-hero. Mm. Dread is. Mm. You know, Batman's a sissy compared to Dread. Yeah. But yeah, again, you know, so much millions of dollars into marketing a, a Batman film. You know, any other smaller um, eighteen stroke R rated picture is just going to get completely get lost. lost. Yeah, I love the <clears throat> shot here down the corridor. Look at that perspective. Mm. Really good use of three D there. Three D fans, there's probably mm. about three three of you out there. <laughs> so talking about three D films that you've watched on. On your TV now or I've had, had to buy 3D films yeah. because I've, you know I've got to justify the purchase of the TV. What is the best one? Probably, 
I think this is one of the best, as in the creative use of the format, but I guess one of the best is probably, even though the films are, I'm not a fan of the film, is probably Avatar. Oh, right. Which looks really, really good. Mm. But it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more point. just like a, it's more like a showcase for yeah. technology, really. He was showing off, wasn't he? He was yeah. showing off, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. We've know, got a new toy and I'm going to... I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, but it's still apparently one of the most profitable movies. I know, made, yeah. And they're doing some sequels, aren't they? Mm. I think the moment's passed. To be fair, though, I'm not sure if no. anyone really wants an Avatar sequel. But no. um, yeah, it was, uh, to me, it was a glorified tech demo. As a lot of people said, it was um, d- dances with wolves with Smurfs. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it was. <laughs> um, that's a very apt description mm. of it. Very, very hackneyed old storyline. Yeah, right? yeah. But it had state-of-the-art special effects, so people wanted mm. to see it. it. It had that kind of, you know, that must-see element yeah. to it, I guess. Because it was the first film, really. It was, it was like a re- it was, reintroducing yeah. 3D, wasn't it? Mm. The, the format. Yeah. Which apparently, is, you know, I mean, still films do still get released. <coughs> so I think it's more of a thing in Europe still. Right. It's kind of clinging on in Europe. In America, I think they're kind of they're past the 3D. They've moved on novelty yeah it's kind of that's gone but i mean over here mm. it's still a thing because we actually get um you know we get physical releases of films in 3d whereas america don't oh right um i think blade runner i could be wrong about this um perhaps american an american listener will you know um contradict me here but mm. um i'm pretty sure blade runner 2049 the sequel to the classic blade runner um, didn't get a 3D release in America, oh, right. whereas we got it on, mm. in 3D over there. I mean, I mean on, on um, you know, on sell through on mm. on a physical format. I think in cinema they got a 3D release, but not you know, not to buy basically. Yeah. So we're clinging on to the format over yeah. in Europe. And what would be the worst one that you've seen? The worst use of it? I'm not saying I've seen every 3D movie, but. No, just the ones that you've seen. What I've seen on three D. I guess some of the ones that, are, that the, I mean, this was this was shot. Not all of it, I believe, but this was shot natively in three D using three D cameras. Right. And you can generally tell the difference between a film that's been um, converted post production. Oh, okay. And I think just some like of the early Marvel. Few. Yeah, exactly. A few bits. I think some of the early Marvel films look really sort of clunky with three D. Mm. They look like they've been cut out, and yeah, it doesn't look very realistic or fluid yeah because there's plenty of films where you go like and watch at the cinema the 3d version and you were like well to be honest with you really i've generally always found that it works better at at home the the format i've seen some really awful 3d presentations at the cinema um where it just looks like a blurry mess Mm. I think one of the Star Trek films I went to see, the rebooted ones, um, it might have been Into Darkness. It just looked like a blurry, dark, muddy mm. mess, and you really, you literally couldn't make out stuff. No. But on the home format, I think they tweak it a bit, maybe up the saturation and the colour balance a bit, and it looks, it looks better. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite impressed watching this. And this isn't really a great, um, the Blu-ray's not really a great presentation, right. really. I think they fudged the. I, mean, I remember this looking a lot better at the cinema. Some of the, some of the scenes look a little bit grainy in this. Mm. It's very inconsistent, picture quality-wise. Right. Whereas at the cinema, I remember it looking pretty, you know, sweet all the way through. 
no wait wait and it picked him up and then level 76 west quadrant I think maybe they try to they increase the contrast too much for the for the because uh, obviously wearing the glasses mm. it's like wearing shades a little bit isn't it yeah so it takes some of the, the brightness out of it but I think they tried to up the brightness too much in this because mm. it maybe was a bit too well they thought it was too dark a film right but it kind of <coughs> makes it look quite grainy in, in mm. uh, at times or more grainy than it should look <laughs> <coughs> Coming up with a sort of big, well, a, a biggish action action sequence with the uh, with a Gatling gun that the uh, the villain Mama uses. Remember this in the cinema being uh, definitely remember, but the sound again, again in this film, the sound design's really good. Remember the machine gun blasting out in in sort of Dolby surround or whatever. Mm. And, Deafened you. Take him back to the main lobby. Hold position behind the elevator shaft. Just go first to the floor. Where are you going? If I don't come back and you get a corner, you might not want to get taken alive. The nihilism in this film I quite like as well. It's quite, mm. That's another thing. It's very, you know, it's not really a. a, a lot, you know, again, that seventies thing of, of nihilism and cynicism. Mm. But generally, you don't get in modern films. You have to have a bit of a happy ending, or yeah. uh, you know, the characters have to have a bit of a redeeming characteristic. I mean, Dread could quite easily be the villain in this film, really. Mm because he takes no prisoners I guess if you compare like this I'm not saying he's like a superhero but like mm. with Marvel probably the Punisher is that what you're going to say what were you no, well no I was just going to say about the pace of the film oh, yeah, yeah. and like like a Marvel film is much more pacey oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah much more whereas this is like it's taking its time isn't it again like those 70s films I think uh, uh, um I don't know if it's with the intention, but I think it was described as like um, what a comic book film would be as an art house film. Right. <clears throat> it was more about the aesthetic than, yeah, the, yeah. you know, than the, perhaps the plot. Mm. And, it, and it's not, but, but you, you're totally right on picking up on that, Kelvin, because what I like, another thing I like about this is it's not convoluted. Mm. Like a lot of those Marvel films, they're so, they're so convoluted, there's so many plot threads and mm. twists and. It's it's almost too much, and the same with that last Batman they film. Wrap themselves up. They in do. Like they do. It's needlessly complicated, mm. and it's just to fill the. I think it's often padding. Yeah. To fill the the you know the the running time. Well, if you look at the basic basis of these superhero films, they are very simple, aren't they? They are quite simplistic, really. <laughs> You know, well, they, all follow, they all follow a very similar formula as well. Seems like they like they're they're inadequate. They, they you know that they've they're like they know that they're they're not like great works of fiction or whatever. Mm. 
and they have to like compensate with the spectacle beef it up with yeah yeah whereas like if it's just a good story and you've got good characters it doesn't you matter don't need does it that. no I think that, that's definitely a, a case where you know spectacle does um, take precedence over you know dialogue or characterisation but then a lot of people would say well I enjoyed all of those films like you know who are you to say well that's a valid that is a valid argument isn't it yeah. no one should really I thought they were good no one should insist okay. on what someone else finds entertaining no. but I mean I, I, do, I do find like them sometimes just I mean I watch them I mean Marvel have basically got me now because I've I've signed up for the whole you know um, the whole series you will watch I've Marvel. seen one so but I saw okay. I saw Black Panther and I just thought it was a very dull a lot of people love that yeah they? a lot of people love it but I just found it very dull and I found it very formulaic um, it's the, you know it's a, it was kind of an origin story which um, they often do in the Marvel Universe but it was like you know there's a super villain I thought it's to be, I know like I heard people on like Radio 4 raving about it like as like this you know it was a monumental moment because yeah. it was a black um, superhero <coughs> and it was like you know wow you know I think that's true to, up to a point but if you took that out of the equation it's a very bog standard movie mm. yes I'm, I imagine you know obviously I'm, I'm, I can't really speak for you know that's not my no. racial no. denomination but I mean I, I imagine if you're if you are someone of colour and you're seeing yourself represented yeah fair enough that is a, that's fair enough but I mean to well, me, I saw it as a cynical I, do you know what you know, exactly I know that thought. might be against you know I saw it as a cynical thing like I found you know, it almost a bit I mean, patronising yeah, exactly yeah I thought it was a bit condescending yeah I mean I haven't seen it but well like, I have seen it but yeah well, but, right. but, but, but I felt that watching it right I okay. was thinking like well you know if I was um, a black person you know, there's, there's, there's so many cliche characters in it, like there's the gangster type role. Right. I mean, that's quite that's quite regressive, isn't it? Having a gangster, mm. oh, so like you know, all black people are gangsters. Yeah, it just seemed you know not very progressive in that no. regards. And then you had the sort of the, the, some of the corny um, sort of cultural references, like you know, they had spears. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just that's, seemed yeah. quite really mm. you know dating really yeah yeah I didn't get that sort of you know thing it's like the Lion King with laser beams yeah know? again Disney again isn't it so yeah amazing. I don't know like you say you know we're not so from that ethnic uh, group no but, no, but I feel that about a lot of the Marvel films, they are just a formula. Yeah. You know, you've got a you've got a villain that wants to take over the world. They've got some you know device that's going to do that, mm. and then there's like a um, there's a countdown yeah. that has to be stopped to prevent that, mm. and that's literally the formula. Mm. And each film kind of not not you know I'm not saying every Marvel film does that, but the majority have that sort of basic formula to them. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad thing that they have a black superhero because why shouldn't they? Oh, exactly. But why, mate? I know. Okay, it is 
I guess it is a big deal because that's the first one or whatever yeah, that's got their own film. Blade. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I just thought it was a bit cynical. Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue to be honest, but I guess it is. But even you know, even as you know, um, sort of ceiling breaking that is, having a, a black superhero or black character headline a movie, it doesn't. For me, it doesn't change the fact that the film is very no. mediocre. But they're like that would it, it would have been mediocre if if it was a white yeah. uh, superhero in it. But I don't know. I don't know how well it did. I don't know whether it was a success. It did really well. Right. So they'll probably really make well. another one then. Yeah, I think but if it had flopped, they wouldn't have made another one, would they? Most probably not. No. No. So that is, it's a business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not about like oh yeah we're like we're being progressive. Yeah, we're doing this really for were, you. If they really were that progressive, the first Marvel film would have been a black superhero. Wouldn't yeah. It? They wouldn't have waited like. What? Exactly. How many movies down the line? Ten movies down the line. Because they saw they saw a fucking market, market a, a market, market there. Because I mean, before that, you've had three Iron Man movies. Yeah. You've had two Thor movies. Yeah. You've had all the Avenger movies. Who am I missing out? You even had a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. I'm, and he's really obscure. Yeah. Um, and and then they thought, oh, okay, yeah, tokenism. Yeah. The Black Pound, the Black right. Dollar, or whatever. We haven't, done, I... we haven't done a black character yet. We yeah. Do that. Yeah. But that, but that was, you know, that's right down the line of yeah. having a lot of whiter than white superheroes yeah. before they got to. I that. mean, you yeah, could. You're totally right. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. It might be. That would have been really progressive, wouldn't it? Have a, a black, you know, kick off the Marvel yeah, yeah. universe with a black character. I mean, you know, again, it's it's nothing new. I mean, all right, okay, Brandon Lee, he was, you know, obviously mm. Bruce Lee's. We're getting back to the Crow now, but I mean, I don't think his race. It didn't even matter did it no it was irrelevant I think yeah. making something a big deal yeah I mean in, in The Crow he was just Eric Draven mm. didn't make a difference whether he was like half you know Chinese or whatever no um, was Bruce Lee Chinese Not he Chinese, was from it? was he from was he Chinese or was he Hong Kong I don't know Hong Kong, but I mean well, that way, is Hong Kong Chinese I don't know. yeah but I mean his, his race never he was just the character wasn't he yeah and I think you know a really big deal was made out of the fact that we get same with Blade it wasn't a big deal that Bridgley Slots was black in it no he was just Blade the yeah, I don't remember yeah I don't remember there being a big yeah, there like, was no thing. big thing about his race was there no but, but you know so yeah it does make you wonder whether it was like more the studio that made a big thing of it than I think that's totally right yeah they made it into a to, to get people to go and watch it yeah and then again and now we're going to get a apparently a Black Widow movie. Right. But how long have we waited for a standalone black, you know, female? Mm. Well, they've oh, seen and, that it's Miss Marvel. They've seen that it works. Yeah. So, yeah. But if they've been really brave, they would have done that a lot earlier. Wouldn't yeah. They? But they're not, you know, because they're a business. Exactly. And they and, and and also very cautious. Yeah. Of course, of course, they're investing millions and millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. You know. So they're not going to... But it's underestimating, I think, your audience, really, because, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for myself, but, but I wouldn't not go and see a film because the main character is a woman mm. or a black guy or whatever. Mm. I'll, I'll go and see a film because I want to see the film. Mm. It's got nothing to do with the fact whether it, you know, the, the, the race or the gender. Yeah. 
So it is again. It just shows how really Hollywood not hasn't really changed, is it? No, it's still really male. Yeah, and they're not really in tune with like the people that actually go to the cinemas, are they? No, they're totally detached from it. Exactly, and they don't really probably respect the people that are paying, giving them money. Do they really? That Hollywood bubble, isn't it? Yeah. Sound design in this scene is kind of towards the sort of soundscape. Blowjob scene upset um, some of the dread fans there. I'm doing it. David Soul mm. et all yeah. there's a little bit of that I think element that's that one of the um, underrated Magnum Force I yeah I really like Magnum yeah. Force I thought yeah. it was a great Dirty Harry movie yeah. almost not quite as good as the first one but mm. it's, you know it's 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 close yeah. it's certainly you know the second best Dirty mm. Harry movie yeah, they they stripped it out a bit. Didn't yeah, they? it went on for far too long, didn't it? Really. By the time a Deadpool came along, it was mm. it was a bit of a joke. It became a bit of a parody, didn't it? Really. Yeah, Deadpool was pretty bad. Wasn't yeah, it? it was pretty bad. I might have to reappraise that. I've got the Dirty Harry box set up there. So oh, okay. Maybe we should reappraise the Dirty yeah. Harry movies. But how I'm, many I'm, were there? The, oh God, it was the first you one. Got, you got Dirty Harry. You got Magnum Force. Uh, where is Tightrope? Tightrope. That's not a Dirty Harry film, isn't it? No, it's that's uh, a misconception because oh. I thought that he, he played. I mean, it might as well be a Dirty Harry film, but he's not playing Harry Callahan. Oh right. 
Oh. Oh, no, he's playing he another was. cop, but you know, they're, he is kind of interchangeable, isn't it? Really, yeah. he's playing a cop, so oh. it could be. Yeah, he might as well be Dirty okay. Harry. He might as well be Harry Callahan, but um, he's not. No, um, I think he's got the one with Time Daly, right? Um, where she's like a sort of. Um, she works for like a rape crisis centre, doesn't she? Do you remember that one? It's like a sex offender on the loose. Oh yeah. I think that's probably why it's quite easy to mix up that with tightrope because they've got a similar sort of storyline. I, I I make that sort of error sometimes. Hmm. I can't think of what that one's called. You got Dirty Harry, Magnum Force. Obviously, Deadpool was the last one. I think it's two. There's two more, isn't there? <clears throat> hmm. Wasn't um. They're up there. I'll get them down in a minute. In Deadpool, who was his psych? Was it uh, Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah. 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 I might have to have a tinkle now. Of you course. Um, talk between your, okay. amongst yourself. Um, keep Jim Carrey was in uh, Deadpool, wasn't he? He was the clock star that. And Guns N' Roses. Yep. Keep yeah. talking, man. Well. Otherwise. I'll try. Oh, the enforcer and sudden impact. Oh, sudden impact, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. It's quite interesting if they made another Dirty Harry film, isn't it? Yeah. With a 90-year-old um, Clint Eastwood, that would be... I'd go and watch that. May have been an attempt to reboot. I think there might have been. There was a video game um, 
a dirty Harry video game. I was watching this YouTube thing. It was basically about um, computer games that hadn't been um, you know, unreleased computer games. Mm. And basically, Warner's, who obviously own the Dirty Harry franchise, right. um, they were thinking, I think in the early 90s, or uh, not early, late 90s, early 2000s, about rebooting the franchise. Maybe we're having a, you know, a young Harry mm. Callahan, you know, a young mm. Clint Eastwood. Um, and the video game came out. Well, it was being, it was being, and they injected millions of dollars into creating this video game, but it, it was never released. They got Eastwood to do the voiceover. Right. It uses it uses cut screen, you know, um, cut scenes from Dirty Harry movies and stuff. Um, so I think there was a was an inclination back um, back in the two thousand. They were going to do something with the property, but it never kind of came to came to pass. And did you ever see Gran Torino? Uh, no. No. Um, it's an okay film, but um, not one of the. Not my fa one of my favourite Eastwood performances, but um, um, I think it was talk of that 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 was going to be a, like a Dirty Harry film, like if he ret when he retired, right, right, you know, like a retiring, yeah, cop. That's I don't know whether the script got changed or whether it maybe that was just rumour, but obviously in the end it didn't it, it didn't pan out that way. It wasn't a it, he wasn't Harry Callahan, Callahan, but you can imagine him being yeah, sort of right. cynical right wing. In a way, that yeah. would be, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? It would have been, yeah. I think that would have been a, quite an interesting way to go. Yeah. See what would have happened. Like he's a retired time. cop. And, and he can't escape that. No, he's still he's Dirty past. Harry, isn't he's still he? Still Dirty Harry, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, surprisingly, I haven't actually done anything with that, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're running out of time, really. Yeah. He's a bit now. But he's still churning them out, mm -hmm. isn't he? That's a really bad wig he's That's got. That's a really bad wig. I'm glad you noticed that. That's yeah. another, he's he's in, in it earlier on without the wig. That's, that's saving a bit of cash. His hair looks like someone. I no, know, Chris Higginson. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think it, yeah. Yeah, isn't it? He looks a bit like him as well. Yeah. He's, yeah. Which will mean nothing to people listening to this. But no, but. Yeah, trust if, us, it means a lot to if us. If he's listening, they'll get it. Yeah. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hope you're alright, mate. <laughs> Yeah, that is his. Yeah, he's got his hair. Wow, that's where it went. I like this bit. It's like a bit like a, it's like a disco. Mm. Disco of death. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We all have a bit of a jig about <laughs> napalm. <The> napalm disco. <laughs> Murder on the dance floor, yeah. you could say. <clears throat> you don't fuck about dreads, look at that. One no. out. Yeah. Talking of Dirty Harry, I always think this bit, bit of Lalo Schifrin, Dirty Harry type music. Imagine funk, 19, funky 1970 soundtrack. Oh yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it's quite a dirty bass. It is, isn't it? Dirty bass. Bit, bit, bit of I like a bit of dirty bass. I did a very nerdy review of this soundtrack on oh, right. Amazon where I mentioned the uh, references to Lalo Schifrin. Mm. Um, that probably, 
I don't know if it increased my deep credentials at all, but... So that shot just back there, for some reason, reminded me of... Uh, um, oh, what did it remind me of? Sorry. That you want a donut? Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah, well, no, I, I think there is, the, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure the, the, the architectural design is very brutal. There's a yeah. bit of Cooper. Like the walk, you know, the, when the droogs are yeah, walking. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. No, I'm, I'm sure that's not coincidental. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Garland was very influenced by all those those movies, you know. Hmm. He's quite a good magpie, Alex Garland. Right. You know, I, I, I like that about his stuff, <coughs> that he does borrow, but he kind of, he subverts it enough to make it his, its own his own vision hmm. but he takes elements from other movies so is he sort of moving into more directing yeah yeah I mean like you know like I say by all accounts he directed this so it'd be really interesting I, mean, I, I think it'd be really cool I mean whether he's guess you know whether the the poor box office of this film kind of upset him to to the uh, degree that he doesn't really want anything to do with the, the franchise, mm. I, I wouldn't mind him s seeing him do a direct an episode of the TV show. I mm. think that'd be quite cool to get him in, you know, as um, as, a, as a mark of respect, really, because I think he did he did uh, as much as a failure at the box office. This this film was it has garnered a lot of cult um, fans, and I think it it gave the character some credibility. Whereas the Stallone version didn't. This, do you think he he gets it? He he absolutely gets it because he was yeah. a he was a fan. Right. He he was he read 2000 AD. Right. Um, you know he he yeah he's one of if you that like, seems to be the thing us. like with like the like certain people like uh, Duncan Jones. Yeah, like, yeah. He's got a passion, hasn't he, for mm. for it? Yeah. You know. I mean. It's, it, it, shouldn't be understated how influential that comic is and mm. was I mean I think probably a lot of people even in this country don't aren't that aware of it really you know even if it's just in a sort of subconscious unconscious subliminal way I think British <coughs> especially Britain but that, I mean there was a thing about an argument saying that even the Marvel films were very like Vertigo which was a um, Sort of adult, one of the very early adult American, basically in the 90s. You remember, I used to read Preacher and stuff like that mm. at university. Well, Vertigo, they start, they were like, they started off basically, they wanted to do adult stories, mm. you know, that um, the mainstream Marvel and DC stuff wouldn't touch because, um, you know, that was for kids, basically. Mm. Comics, comics were, were seen um, as for kids. Yeah. So they did an, uh, an imprint called Vertigo, which would discuss, uh, which would you know explore adult themes. So you had Preacher and stuff like that, and um, Garth Ennis's Preacher. But uh, if you notice the Vertigo, um, who they employed were mainly X two thousand AD writers and artists, you know, like Peter Milligan and uh, Garth Ennis, who also wrote for two thousand AD. So the influence of British writers and artists on American comics should not go, mm. you know, unrecorded, if you like. 
and I think her name's Karen Berger, who who was the um, she produced like the Vertigo titles in the nineties. She basically was living in the UK and she used to she read 2000 AD and she poached basically said he's a great writer we'll poach him so said they poached all the great artists and right, writers right. on 2000 AD mm. to go to America mm. and made and they made it big obviously okay. your Mark Millers and your mm. you know Garth Ennis's mm. so yeah um, what, what were you saying again oh the influence yeah yeah even in stuff like Doctor Who, which there's been references to Judge Dredd in 2080. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, subtly, but visually. If you know. If you know, yeah, yeah. if you know. If you, yeah, exactly. If you read the comic, you spot it. Mm. It's had a, yeah. a major influence. Because yeah. it's that punky kind of anti establishment. Mm. It is, yeah, yeah. It's not like a main, you know, it's not the Beano. It's like yeah, there is. If you, if you say to someone over here, name your British comic, they'll say the Eagle or the Beano or Gandhi. Yeah, they probably won't say 2000 AD. But no. to be honest with you, that's because 2000 AD is still the ugly punk. It's still a bit under the radar. It isn't is. It? it is. It's still a bit of a cult. So, you know, underground comic. What I I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like. Do you know like what the like circulation. circulation is? The readership. I I like, hear it's not. It's not. I, I hear it's in the sort of twenty thousands. Oh right. Um, that's yeah. I think digital now. It's now comics are digitally available. Mm. I think that's increased the because um, a problem American readers always had was obtaining the the, the print copies. Yeah. Because you had to, so to import them, exactly. But now everything's digital. You can just get you it. You can subscribe digitally. wherever you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's probably better than it was. Ten years ago, mm. but it's not never near the the, the, um, the heights of the seventies when perhaps when I first came across the comic, where it was it was selling like you know five hundred thousand copies. Oh, was it? Like oh yeah, it was. I mean, all comics they were huge. Comics, Any comics, comics yeah. in the seventies were massive. Yeah, I guess there here. wasn't. <laughs> That's what kids read. There wasn't yeah. video. No, there wasn't YouTube. There wasn't YouTube. No, I mean basically your your entertainment as a as a child was was comics. Right. I think no, maybe it's two hundred fifty thousand copies a week. So yeah, so. you would go to the the corner shop and you would yeah. buy a comic, comics, yeah. And that was your thing for the week. Even two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, that's like that's like yeah, know, a quarter of a million. Yeah, a week. Mm. That's not bad, is it? No. Yeah. But I mean, comics in general. I mean, even like Marvel, the movies are making like billions, but mm. their comics are not selling. So. Of those twenty thousand, do you think how many of those are like people your age, and how many are like people? Well, like we, you were, like teenagers or like preteens or yeah. You know, I mean, I do think, you think they've I've, still got a. What, do they? Do they? Are they getting kids? Young, uh, do they? Are kids they are new still readers? buying comics, or are they? Well, I think the evidence is that really it is adults that buy comics, right? And I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, unfortunately, young people. There's so much, um, you know, there's so many other media mm. Mm. to to. Uh, they're not going to get excited. Spend their money they're not going to get too excited about it, are they? It's a really sad thing to say. Waiting, like, like I think, like just just like print media and, and print and, and comics are just not 
Yeah, young, like you, you, you alluded to earlier, young people that, that they're watching YouTube, mm. they're going to see movies. And I mean, yeah. reading something is really not. No, at it's the not top high of the list. No. List, you know. No. It's a sad thing to say. No. But, um, Mm. Yeah, there's, there's there's too many other type of things to, to grab their attention, like video mm. games as well. Video games is a big thing, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you put a comic in front of a kid and say... I think, yeah. You know, no, you, but, no, because you, you have to invest a little bit of effort into mm. a comic because you've got to read it. Yeah. You have to make an effort. You've got to turn the pages. Yeah, you've you got... Your your imagination. You've got to got use your imagination. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to give these characters voices in your head. Mm. And unfortunately, I think you know. Well, you know, I might be talking out of line, but I no, think I think there is a lot to that. But yeah, we live in a very disposable sort of um, society, don't we? Really, mm. and people want instant gratification. Yeah. Well, I've got to, well, I've got to read something. I've got to, you know I've got to I've got to put some effort into this. I, I, I can't be really bothered. Yeah, it's not their fault though. Oh like, no, it's, no it's, it's totally not their we've fault. We've fucking created this world, yes, haven't yes, we? Yes, we have. Yeah, They've te- just te- grown up in yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's totally not their fault. Um, <clears throat> technology has is, is created this yeah. society. It's like a monster that. Which is like also, which dread kind of parodies the, the, the way mm. the technology has, has made us, um, you know. We're slaves, like, in basically. Human. We're, we're slaves we've to, lost our humanity to, yeah. to, to technology yeah we have we don't have to think as much no yeah we all do it everything's you know. processed pre-packaged convenient and we all like it as well we do like it because it's, cause it's I mean I, you know Jesus Christ I mean we're that generation where you know I know it's in, in a simple way but you know if we play video games but when we play video games you have to wait five minutes yeah. for a tape to load. Yeah, and then it might crash. And then it might crash. Yeah, then yeah. it might crash. Yeah. I remember spending whole days yeah, yeah. trying to get fucking Daily Thompson's the captain to load. <laughs> I'm not just I'm not even joking. I spent whole days. I spent more time in my life trying to get that game to load than I did playing yeah. the fucking thing. Do you think Daily Thompson knows? Like, <laughs> if I ever met him I'd fucking tell him. <laughs> I, I broke like loads of joysticks as well. Yeah, yeah. Trying to waggle, waggle it. waggling it, like trying to get him to do the hundred meters or yeah, whatever it was. I play most of my neuroses on that game. Yeah. Can you imagine today? Like, Sexual frustration as well. Like, like that as well. Yeah. That waggling. Exactly. That waggling. That's why I've got um, RSI. <laughs> Honestly, but you, but you imagine like saying to a kid today, or you got to wait five minutes for a game to load, yeah. and then it might not load. Yeah. They're like, fuck off, mate. Wait, and I'll you might have load to, in twenty seconds. Yeah. You seconds. might have to spend the whole day. That. And you might not even play it. Yeah, I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> I'm, you know, this is this is fuck off, granddad. Yeah, this is 2018, mate. Everything's instantaneous. Yeah, I just press a button and there it and is. There it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is, you know, that's why attention spans, I think, are so much less these days. Yeah. Aren't they? But I find myself. Doing but the same even thing. our attention yeah. spans. Yeah. I'm watching Netflix. I was yeah. watching the, the Coen Brothers thing. Right. Oh, okay. Thing. I was. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, I had to watch it, and I had to cut it in half because it was. It was too long for me. Oh, right. But again, really? my attention span, it's like wandering. Right. I'm is like, it a okay. bit slow? And... Uh, it, it, it's episodic. Right. Which is good, because you can just... I think that's probably a conscious thing. You yeah. can dip in and out, because mm. it's... You know, it's like a... There's like little vignettes, different right. stories. Tom... I saw the Tom Waits one. I thought you would... I thought oh, you'd yeah, actually yeah. watching that. He's very... I, actually, it took me a while to figure out it was Tom Waits. Right. Because he's fucking old. He is. He must be fucking... He is fucking old. I was like... I kind of recognise that guy. Who the fuck is he? I was like... 
just Tom Waits. Did you recognise the voice before you? Yeah, was like, bah, 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 and he's singing. He's, he comes in singing. Oh right. Because there's, there's a lot of song in it. Oh right. There's a lot of music. It's almost like a musical. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I I hear it runs out of steam. I can kind of I can kind of I can kind of understand that. I, yeah. And it starts pretty strongly, and I can see mm. it. All, with the Coens, I mean, I love the Coen brothers, mm. but there was a little bit of... Do you think I, they go up their own asses? Mm, I was going to say self-indulgent. Right. There's some elements of self-indulgence I love them, in it. Right. Yeah. I love them. I, I, I can't... To me, the, their last great film was Big Lebowski. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. I, I, no, I... Their I, later I, output, I'm not that being that... I'm a you know, massive... I've, I've always been a huge fan of theirs, but yeah, I can see that, but... In a lot of their stuff, but yeah. So there is an element. Visually, of it. I oh, oh, oh my god, it looks beautiful. Yeah. It looks absolutely the, the, the um. Some of the characters they've created. Yeah, there's some amazing characters in it. Um, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, but it is like, yeah. Okay. Self-indulgent. Like there, there are elements where you think it's actually it's going a little bit up its own arse. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah, just pull back a little bit, guys. Yeah, we, we get the eye. We get it. You're. A we know you're good. I was going to say we get it. You're a genius. Here, yeah, okay? you don't have to labour that point. Yeah. Yeah. that stuff. That 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 stuff is now a real thing in the military. Oh right. That you can put what, gel on your or... wounds and it and it sticks it together in case you've got a bullet hole. Oh okay. Something else that um, this film sort of preempted. I like it in this as well. I'll get back to Dread that he's he's really grizzled in this. Mm. You know, he's a grizzled character. I quite like Carl Urban just play this role now for the rest of his life, <laughs> really. As it, as because the character as it, in, in the comic he ages in real time. Right. So I can imagine like Urban playing this still when he's like in his like sixties and seventies. <laughs> Are you still going to see him? Is he still? Yeah, next Saturday. Is it? Yeah. Oh. He wow. hasn't pulled out. He's done a little announcement where he said, "I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Wales." Oh, blimey! So yeah, and Michael Bean's going to be there, who oddly, apparently, was up for screen tested for this role. Really? Which is oh, I can't. I don't know. I think he's probably a little bit too old, isn't he? Yeah. And I always imagine him being quite short. I don't know. That I don't know at all. He is. Well, maybe if you see him. Oh uh, yeah. I'll ask him. He'll probably, be, he'll probably be sitting down, but I'll ask him anyway. Right. Could you um, stand up? Yeah, please? can you stand up? I need to know how tall you are. Because um, <laughs> my yeah. mate wants to know. Well, that's another thing. A lot of, lot of American viewers have said, oh, Carl Urban, he's too short to play Dredd, but he's taller than Stallone. But Stallone just wore loads of Stallone wore like yeah. stilettos or whatever. Or, how you know. tall is he then? I don't think that matters. He's six foot, he's six foot something, and <clears throat> Urban, but Stallone's like. Um, I don't know, he's probably six foot as well, but he's not as tall as Urban, but he wore platform shoes, like a glam rocker. Right. Made him look taller. He had to wear, apparently, um, um, Amanda Sante was taller than him, but he had to be taller. So oh, right. They had to put him, like, you know, step-ups to make him look taller. Is he dead? Amanda Sante? Yeah. No. I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> unless, unless I liked he, him in that. Unless he died, he, unless I... he died during this, this podcast, maybe. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, because I, I think, I think he got the right tone. Yeah. He chewed that scenery yeah, something yeah, quite, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. I've done, oh! I don't know what else. What else has he been in? I don't know. He, didn't he always play like um, mafia types? Yeah. I think he always played mafiosos. I think, didn't he play Stallone's brother in something else? I could, yeah, he I does, think that's why he got. He does the, look like. I think that's why he got the role. Without the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like the good look. He's like the good looking brother, isn't he? I'm sure he's played. I'm sure he's worked. With, I'm sure he's worked with Stallone before. That's why he was in. Oh, I'm going to have to look him up right right after this. Cause I no, thought I he was dead. I think he's done. I think he's TV now. Sorry. TV. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, or like a Steven Seagal film. It would probably be a Steven Seagal straight to video villain in that. He must play a lot of villains. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's got that face on him. Mm. He, I can't imagine he's a romantic lead. No. He's too rough for that. Not now, anyway. Well, no, must be, not now. He must be getting on. Um, the word go. The word is that this scene they didn't have an ending for this film. Right. So this was like written at the last. Well, not the last minute, but I mean this was the last thing to be written because they had, they had struggled to find an end for it. All oh, right. So the whole thing with the the device that's in her hand that, um, you know, connects to her heartbeat. Oh, that was. That was a sort of late. Creation. Yeah, a late, a later development. Because the story goes, this was originally going to be a Fox finance film, right? And Alex Garland wrote a script that was about Judge Death, the very the infamous mm. villain of the um, the bread stories. But um, it was going to be too costly, so they said, um, "Well, you need to rewrite it and make it more, you know, cheaper, basically." On a, on a, so you know, you need to write out Judge Death. So um, he went. Alex Garland went back and wrote a, a, a much more simpler, sparse story, mm. and Fox still passed on it anyway. So, oh, right. <laughs> but the, that script must exist somewhere. I don't mm. know. A treatment of it. It'd be interesting mm. to read it. Giving it the scowl there. Mm. Giving it drugs. <laughs> Just say no, kids. <laughs> Wouldn't have figured a ranger on that bridge. Better get through under levels of concrete. I like to watch. I always found this in the trailer of this film that they kind of gave away the end of the film, which was a bit of a disappointment because you see him chuck Marmar out the window in right. the trailer, mm. which I always thought like. Mm was a bit unfortunate. I think this sequence is really cool. You get all the little, especially in 3D, 
I'm not trying to sell 3D, it's a dead format, but look at all the little hmm. sparkly bits of glass. If you try and focus on it, it makes you go boss eyed. Hmm. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to I've tried to follow one bit of like, you know, glass right. or it's it's quite hard to do. But you must have to individually like you yeah. know, pop them out mm. in in a CGI computer mainframe thing. Yeah, that must have been a headache for yeah, someone. Yeah, exactly, for someone, yeah. Because in the foreground they're blurry, in the background they're clearer, so, you know, if you think there's one guy working on or one mm. person working on yeah. each individual bit of glass. And if you said to him, like, oh, no, I love that bit, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I didn't oh, think anyone had noticed oh, that. Oh, thanks, that, that, that bit of glass was me. Six months, that was. Yeah, just that bit there. <laughs> no one's ever said that. Third bit of glass on the right. <laughs> I think so, this reminds me, this, this has got a bit of a Vangelis vibe to me, this soundtrack, this bit of the soundtrack. I think that's another thing that kind of, you know, I, I think it, riffs off, it mm. rips off Vangelis, Carpenter. It's a great soundtrack, actually. This is a really cool moment when she hits the ground. I remember like wincing a bit watching this. Probably could have gone a bit more with that. Mm. Her head would have gone like a melon, wouldn't it? Yeah. Really? Like, is that the detonator that's up the top of the, uh, mm. the block yeah. that's why he goes yeah <laughs> she's so far away from the signal that right. basically it doesn't right. set right. the uh, right. bomb off and you get a little bit of a hint of um, Dred's humanity here when he's patching Anderson up which I think is a really nice little character moment and it just shows you, don't, you know his face is covered but it's all in that it's all in the look respect you. I think I'd like to see a bit more of the uh, Mega City way, a bit more of the, mm -hmm. the city. That's one thing this film was a little bit lacking. focused on that one. Yeah, in the really. block. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, understandably because of budgetary reasons, mm. but still. Well, maybe in the TV series. Well, that's it. I, I think the worst fit thing about this film is I thought, like, there's so much potential yeah. for a sequel, you know, and it's a shame it never came to fruition because they set up all the groundwork. The next film could have been all out, fucking, you know, expansive. Shown more of the city or um, the cursed earth or whatever, mm. but it was never to be. So is the. There's no date. But like you say, maybe with the TV show. 
going to go into production. Probably two only. years off at least, aren't we? Because they've got to, like, they've just bought this yeah. place and then they've got to fit it out and everything. Kind of all, you know, potentially set up, you know, maybe a judge death storyline, but mm. you know, who knows? Again, like you say, maybe the TV show. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good that they finally got around to it. But just say, you know, probably by force of will alone, mm. you know, the fans have willed it into creation and. So do what do you think that will be a Netflix I, thing? I or imagine something? a Netflix or Amazon Prime type yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. And a nice uh, nod to, to uh, Carlos Esquero who died recently. The uh, artist behind Judge Dredd who created the uh, mm. character, the look of the character. So yeah, I mean that's uh, like I said, that's kind of um, we've we've discussed Fred tonight because of the uh, mm. the news about Rebellion creating a big film studio in the UK. Um, it's good news for the. It is good news for the industry, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. There's the investment there. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. I mean that is great. I mean, apparently there are, there are not enough studio spaces in the UK to go around. So that's you know mm. it's, it's filling that void and yeah. hopefully and it's not it, in London. It's it's no, it's just outside. Yeah. Good. So maybe we'll discuss Escape from New York, or maybe maybe mm. we'll do a Dirty Harry. Yeah, I'd be quite. Would you be up for that? Yeah, M yeah. Maybe take one of the lesser known ones, like because I must admit, sudden impact in that. I, I, I'm not sure I, I can actually remember no. what happens in that. Maybe we'll take one of them next time. I can't recall the last time I saw Dirty Harry film. So. I oh. think I watched um, the first film not that long ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, not the later ones. No. So any, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that, mm. this podcast, uh, this time. And um, would, you like to, would you like to sound off, Millie? Well, yeah. I think not only have we talked about Judge Dredd, um, we've covered quite a lot of uh, subjects within that, so... Within that sphere? I think, you know... Well, yeah. I think it's, it's, it is kind of all interconnected, isn't it? Yeah. You know, films are very influenced by other films and, you know, so there is an interconnectivity. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, so till the next time, this is... This podcast signing out. Good night all.